very orderly, the two of them. Okay. Nois Vav, the Rebbe explained to us that the the choice of the of the of the pikach can't be based on seichel because seichel is a yesh, seichel is limited, and the connection of the of the of the need to a kaddish baruch is not based on intellect, as the pasuk says, as the the, the medrash which we're learning, the medrash says it's explaining the pasuk chelki avaya amranavshi. My portion is a vaya, my, my soul says. So our connection is a connection that transcends intellect. Uh, yes, of course, we've mentioned countless times it has to resonate in intellect. If I'm not aware of it consciously, so then that essential connection doesn't help me an awful lot. There's a few million Jews in the world with an essential connection to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but have absolutely no conscious understanding of that or awareness of that. And so doesn't affect their everyday activity very much at all. Every now and then there might be something that stirs up a little something in there, but uh, it's what's called makif, right? It's not, it's not expressing itself in their conscious reality. Of course, seichel has to be involved, but the source of the connection is not seichel, because generally there are two different types of relationships we have. I mean, obviously within those two types, there's, vari- there's many, many variances of that, but, but there's a, the, the relationship to a friend, so the source of that relationship is seichel person chooses their friends based on the reasonableness of being close to this person. We share interests or we bumped into each other, like each other, whatever it happens to be. It's a, it's a, it's a relationship based on seichel. Based, it starts with seichel. Obviously, emotions come from that. They develop an emotional connection to the person. But the, the source of the relationship is seichel. makes sense to have this person as a friend, or it doesn't make sense. There might be someone who you run into and there's an emotional click, but you realize, wait a minute, this is the, the intellectual, this is not a person I want to be friends with, this person is, a, a, is a, a heavily involved in all sorts of very dangerous and unhealthy things. I don't want to be his friend, it's not going to be good, this is not a good idea. It's not good for me, the Seichel will say, right? And the Seichel's right. If the person's stupid, they'll be a friend of that person, right? Now, they might be able to help that person, that's not what we're talking about, I'm talking about just being a friend. Right? And uh, that might not be a very good idea because this person is a very bad influence. Okay, so you don't want to be a friend of that person. There's other types of relationships, deeper relationships. The one that we, the, the mushal we brought was a parent and a child. The parent and the child is obviously not based on seichel. It resonates in seichel, but is not based on seichel. The reason that, it, that a child loves their parent and vice versa is not because they've come to the intellectual decision that this is someone worthy of love. So too, in our mind, the peacock in the story who chooses the king and, and doesn't choose the ministers when they all come into town, right? Everybody goes to a minister, a minister who is of use to them. The businessmen go to the secretary of commerce and the, and the, and the, and the farmers go to the secretary of agriculture and the doctors go to the secretary of health and everybody goes to someone who's useful for them. The peacock realizes he goes to the melech. Why? Because the melech doesn't change and they do. And what does that mean in Panemius? So the Rebbe explained in Oizvav, that means, in Oizhei, that means that what the, the shefa that comes from the king, that which comes from the king, the connection of the king is a connection to truth. And the, the peacock wants truth. He wants what's real. Okay. But again, the Rebbe said that there's a problem with that. That, 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 that decision is based on seichel, intellect. Not that it's the wrong decision, it's the right decision. 
just based on intellect. And the, and the connection of the peacock to the king transcends intellect because that's what the Pasuk says, Chelki Nafshi, Chelki Avaya Amra Nafshi. Okay, so that's, that's why the, the connection is of a higher sort than that was Vav. It's not Seich, not just Seich. Then in Zion yesterday, the Rebbe says we can actually understand this more deeply and we can actually understand that the fact that the connection resonates in Seichel, even though its source is, is, is essential, elevates the soul itself. How does that work? So in that context, the Rebbe brought a new, uh, a new mushal. Right? It's not a medrash, it's a mushal from the, from the Alter Rebbe. And this mushal is the king throwing a party. Right? And the king throws a party and has four different groups of people at the party. But really only two of them are at the party, two groups of people. And the other two groups of people benefit from the party. But they're not really part of the party because the party's not for them. And, you know, obviously in the, in the mushal, so it's, it has nothing to do with their choices. In the nimshal, it has to do with the people's choices. Do they want to be connected to the party? Do they want to be connected to the king or not? Right? Okay, so, so the Rebbe started from the... The, the, four, the, the people were the important ministers, right? The big ministers, great ministers, Sarim Gedelim, the Avadim Chashuvim, the important servants, the Avadim Pchusim, the simple servants, who were Me'achre Rechayim, the other side of the mill, meaning they're in the kitchen, right? Either cooking the food or washing the dishes, and the Klovim, and the dogs, and the dogs are getting the bones. So who are those four in the, in the Nimshal? So we saw two of them yesterday. Rebbe says, who's the Kelev? The Kelev is someone whose whole life is about getting what they want. Right? Uh, comfortable. Life should be comfortable. It's all about life being comfortable, right? And, and you know, the, the American dream is, the American dream doesn't just have to do with money. Money has a lot to do with it, but that's not what it's really all about. The American dream is basically that if I play my cards right, and that means all sorts of things now, it's become more sophisticated in what it means to play your cards right. But if I play my cards right, which means I get the right kind of degree, which allows me to get the right kind of job, and I eat the right kind of foods, and I exercise regularly, etc. So I sh- could, I should, theoretically be able to go through life without having to face any real challenges. Right? Life will be very comfortable. I won't have any financial challenges. I won't have any uh, uh, physical you know, health challenges because I'm eating right and I'm exercising. And, uh, you know, the, the emotional challenges, all that, well, no one works on that. I guess, well, maybe you do. Maybe, you know, you, you go to a Tony Robbins seminar or something or you, or you read a couple of books I have a friend who's a very, very chassidish yid who goes to the odd Tony Robbins seminar in order to learn certain things and how to help the people he helps. He says the guy's amazing. He, he really thinks the guy's absolutely amazing, right? He says he says stuff that's right on, like, right, but okay, fine. Okay, so... Um, Where do you help people that go to Tony Robbins seminars? Who? This, this friend of yours helps people that goes... No, no, he says that some <coughs> of the things he hears there are extremely useful in helping the people he runs into in his everyday life. He says, he, 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 you know, I, I always, I mean, I, don't, I never heard of that, you know, I just heard of the guy just because you, you see this face with teeth that are so bright that you have to put on sunglasses. So, so you know, it just, it looks like, uh, it looks like a fake. He's obviously making a lot of money. Okay, but he, he went to one of these things to see, and he said, 
the, the guy says some very interesting real stuff. I mean, you know, maybe the, he didn't talk about the idiocy. Maybe there's some idiocy too. That I don't know. But he said some of the things he's talking about are really on and good and healthy. And if people did it, they'd be in better shape. Very interesting. I, I was like shocked. Five thousand people at a shot. This guy gets. He's a rock star. He's a rock star. But a an emotional, an emotional health rock star. Yeah. And if he's doing good stuff, so more power to him. I don't know. Good job. So, um, so the dog. Who's the dog? The dog is just interested in his own in his own life. He just wants to make sure that everything's taken care of for him, and and that uh, he gets what he needs and he gets what he wants, and he really doesn't think about too much more than that, right? And his the, the, in in the context of. Hasidisha Aveda, so the Rebbe said that the nature of a human being is that the mayor Sholet Alolev, the nature of a human being is that, and this is interesting, this is our Seichel, right, Mayer, that the Seichel can come to, come to decisions and override emotional desires, even though emotionally I might feel connected to something, my Seichel can tell me that that's not healthy for me and not good for me. Okay, that, that makes sense, right? I think we'd all would love to have chocolate ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, that would be pretty good. Chocolate ice cream is pretty good. You know, sprinkle a little granola on top so you feel better about yourself. Well, okay, but you're saying, I'll say, no, that's, you can't eat like that. That's ridiculous. I mean, you can eat like that for, you know, 30, 40 years, but then what's going to happen to you? Okay, you know, you might not last. Okay, so you don't, you don't want to eat like that. Seiko will tell you you don't want to eat like that, even though Midas might find that a wonderful thing to do if you like chocolate ice cream. Okay, say that. So most people do like chocolate ice cream. There's a few people who, for whatever reason, like vanilla more, but that's, if they, you know, go to a good analyst, you can help them. So, so, so that, that state of mind, that state of being, of the lave sholet alameyach, is not particularly natural, and it's certainly not healthy. Because we know if I follow my emotions everywhere they take me, they'll take me to all sorts of places that I really shouldn't be. Because I'll get connected to things. Emotions connect me to things. And there's things that my emotions, of the Nebuchadnezzar, might want to be connected to that I know rationally, objectively, are not healthy. They're good for me. They're not right. right? And my intellect can make that decision. Right? Even though there's part of it that I like. Say there, but I can still say, not good, not a good idea. Okay, fine. That's the that's normal. That's healthy. The Kelev is not even there. Kulalev, whatever he wants, he has to have. It's called being mature. Okay. Beyond that, as we saw yesterday, beyond that are the Avadim Kusin. Who are they? Those are the people who serve a Kaddish Baruch They serve the king. I mean, in the Marshal, they serve the king. But with no desire, no will, they do it because they're afraid of getting smashed if they don't. Right? Okay, you better serve God. Now, in, in the Nimsha, you better serve God because if you don't, you're going to go to Gehenna. So you better serve God? Okay. Right? The old preachers that used to go around, go around Europe, they were, they, were, they were common enough that they're in countless Hasidic stories. Right? About those guys who used to go around, the Darshanim used to go around Europe and basically scare people about Gehenna. And, uh, you know, in the Hasidic Rebbeim in those towns would always try their best to undo the damage. There's a story of someone coming like that to Berdichev and Rav Levi Yitzhak after he got up and spoke to this person. So uh, 
of Levi Yitzhak, a predictive, turned to a Kaddish Baruch and said, a Kaddish Baruch who please don't punish him for his harsh words. He has a very hard life. He is trying to marry off some daughters and he doesn't have the money and he's having a hard time finding a shidduch and it's causing him great anguish and he's just taking it out on the people that he talks to. I mean, please have mercy on him. But what was he saying? You know, keep Torah, you're going to burn in Gehenna. Okay. So there's that. There's people who hear that. They like it. I mean, like it. Meaning they hear it. And hasn't gone away. No, of course it hasn't gone away. It's out there. There's that one, what's his name? I don't know his name. Anyway, we don't have to mention it. But what, that, that, that guy, I mean, that's his big thing, right? He's, he's one of those. Absolutely. Clearly an unhappy person. He's just taking it out on the people that he's talking to. 100%. Okay. Their rutzen, the words of the, the Rebbe, and we'll continue further in the Mimer in one minute, their rutzen and tainug is not connected to the king. Their rutzen and tainug is connected to all sorts of stuff that's very much their own life. But they realize they have to pay heed to the king or else the king will kill them. So they'll do what the king says. But that's not what they enjoy. That's not what they want. And what was the, the language? Avda behefkera nichale. The evid in a state of hefkeris, that's good for him. Meaning he's more than happy not to do anything. He'll do whatever you tell, you tell him to do, but he's more than happy not to do it. Right? Okay. Uh, the marshal we brought is a joke. I mean, yeah, there, there's, there's a certain truth to it, but it's, you know, obviously. It is tachnan. Yay, no tachnan. Less is best. Most of us are just happy not to have to stand up and sit down once more. Like if we're sitting, it's just nice to be able to sit and not have to get up. Right? I don't know. It depends on your age, I think. Right? The nicest thing, for me personally, honestly, the nicest thing about a day without Tachnun is that Kriyashma Shalamita, I can sit down and say the whole thing's sitting without having to stand up for Vidui. If I could sit for Vidui, I'll say Vidui, it's fine. It's the standing up and sitting down that annoys me at that time of night. But okay, say that everybody's got their hang ups. Okay. So we're sixth line. Masha'in came, is where we got to yesterday. That's not the case of the Avadim Achashuvim. What about the important Avadim? We just learned about the, the, the guys who are working in the kitchen. The guys who are working in the kitchen get no tainug from working in the kitchen. They work in the kitchen because if they don't work in the kitchen, the king will have their head. What about the Avadim Chashuvim? They're at the table. So obviously they have a connection to the king. Avedosim esamelech, their service of the king, hiberotzen v'cheshek is with will and desire. They enjoy working for the king. The Hagam, that even though they're still Avadim, right? So the Rebbe's going to explain that. The Hagam, that even though She'ikr Avedosim, the essentials, their essential service, he is Mitzad Kabbalasol, is a commitment accepting the yoke of, of, you know, the yoke of the king. They're an Evid. Right? They're not a Ben. They're not a son. We'll see that level later. But, but they're, they're an Evid. Okay. And what does an Evid do? An Evid does what he does because he's committed to doing it. He has to, it has to get done. Kabbalah soul. But they enjoy their Kabbalah soul. It's a Gishmak. They enjoy serving the king. They realize they serve the king because they have to serve the king. There's no choice not to serve the king. They're committed to serving the king. But they enjoy that. A Moshul brought for Kabbalah soul basimcha. Right? Is the, the, the person carrying 50 pounds of rocks up a hill. He's carrying 50 pounds of rocks up the hill. It's hard work. Amish. His knees hurt. His back hurts. He's schwitzing. The schwitz is dripping into his eyes now and then, and it's hard to wipe it away. I mean, it's really, 
He's moving all the all the all the gym equipment from one place to another place. He's mamish schwitzing, schwitzing. You guys were really schwitzing. That was that was a good workout. <laughs> mamish schwitzing, right? Okay. But it's rocks. So I mean, he's doing it. Why is he doing it? They're, 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 they're the rocks have to get to the top. Whoever he, we don't, whoever he's committed to, every works for him. The rocks have to get to the top of the hill. So he's taking to the top of the hill. Okay. That's Kabbalah. There's not a lot of rutzen and tainug in that. Doesn't mean he hates it, but not a lot of rutzen and tainug in that. What if you're carrying 50 pounds of diamonds up the hill? Oh. Do your knees hurt? Your knees are killing you. Does your back hurt? Same 50 pounds. Right? You're schwitzing, it's dripping in your eyes? Because it's dripping in your eyes. You're schwitzing. But it's diamonds. <laughs> You've got a smile from ear to ear as you're schlepping those 50 pounds of diamonds up the hill. That's a Kabbalah soul with Simcha. You guys were probably having a good time schlepping this stuff because you, you really wanted that stuff down there, right? It wasn't like someone told you, oh, move this stuff and you don't even get to use it. You, you, you were into it. You're having a good time doing it even though you were taka schwitzing. Okay. That's Kabbalah Sol Basimcha. That's the Avadim Chashuvim. The Avadim Chashuvim are into it. They enjoy it. It's their rutzen. It's their tiny. But it's still Kabbalah Sol, as we'll see. It's still not a Ben. It's still an, av- an Evid. And we'll see what the difference is. That even though their essential of Ved is Kabbalah soul, the commitment to the king, as is known, the difference between the son and the, and the, and the servant. Two different levels of whether we're like sons, whether we're like servants. Okay, so what's the difference between a Ben and an Evid in a service of a Kodesh Baruch Hu? That that which the son does, the desire of his father, the will of his father, it's because he loves his father. And that which the Evid fulfills the, the, the desire, the will of his master, that's because he's committed to doing what he's doing and he realizes that's who he is and he has to do it. And not that he doesn't enjoy it, but it's not Ava. He doesn't love the master. That's the mushal of an evid, as opposed to a ben. When a ben does something for his father, he's doing it not, not because he's committed. There is, there is the Kabbalah soul of the, the son to the father. The son has to listen to the father. But that's not the driving force. The driving force is he loves the father. Right? I mean, there's people who do mitzvahs because they're obligated to do mitzvahs. Good. Well done. It's called Kabbalah soul. There's people who do mitzvahs because they're blown away by, by the incredible opportunity to connect to God. Yes, they're obligated, but the opportunity is pushing unbelievable. <laughs> wow. I get to connect to God? Wow. That's cool. I have to. Okay. Really, I'd rather play Spider Solitaire on my phone. But I have to connect to God. Okay. <coughs> and he might even enjoy the connecting to God. That's the, the avid Pashut is the one who just wants to play Spider Solitaire on his phone all day. Or, you know, we won't go to the worst places. Right? But he doesn't do that because he knows that if he does that, the king's going to have his head. Okay, so that's the lower head. The caliph is the guy who plays spider solitaire on his phone all day. <laughs> He's just the caliph. Okay, so the, the, the other, the, the, the Evid Pashut, the first Evid we saw, he doesn't do it. Why not? Because if he does it, the king will kill him. But really, that's what he wants. And he'll do that where it's mutter, right? Spends an hour and a half in the washroom playing spider solitaire every day, right? just because you can't learn Torah in here, so why are you still in there? Oh, nothing. 
<laughs> male if he's I don't want to mention a name, an age it might be too close to the but you know male if he's some age where you do spend a little more time in there but uh, you know a 20 year old doesn't have to spend very much time in there okay nobody's in there for an hour and a half right, okay ah, I can't learn in here fine what the Rogachover said the Rogachover said he was he was over an Aveira constantly, same Aveira. What Aveira? He couldn't stop thinking Torah. Even when he was in the washroom, he would think Torah. And he couldn't stop. He was over the Aveira. That's what he said. Ben, I know you have one. What happened? I know I had one as well, but... You know what I'm going to do, Ben? I know you won't lose it. If I pin a $20 bill to it, will you lose it? Yeah, no, I don't. Okay, so this is priceless. Don't lose it. I once heard that truckers in America, it's brilliant, truckers in America late at night, they're tired, and they have you know, another hour and a half to drive, and they're really tired. How do they keep themselves awake? One of the ways There's, they do it. No, okay, that's what everybody does. They take a $100 bill, and they hold it out the window in their hand. If they doze, what's going to happen? They don't doze. Now, if you think about it, that's really stupid, because if you doze, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> right? But we've all been in that situation where you're tired, you're driving that last half an hour, and you're really fighting it, and it's hard, and you're you know, singing and making yourself, and you're trying to keep awake, and it's hard, right? And you pull over and close your eyes for five minutes, go back out, do another... Okay. They're the pros. They know how they, that's evidently one of their tricks. $100 out the window. Which is so interesting. <laughs> and evidently it works. I mean, they know, you know, they're not going to do it if it doesn't work, right? They're pros. Fascinating. <laughs> for the hundred dollars, I'll stay awake. For my life, I might doze, but for the hundred dollars, I'll stay awake. And we understand why it works. Okay. So this, Evid, it's still, it's, he's not a Ben. He's not doing it because he loves the father. He's not doing it because he loves his master. He's doing it because he understands very, very clearly who he is, who the master is. He's committed to that relationship and he enjoys that relationship. The son loves it. The son will do it even if he's not told he has to do it. The son will do something for his father before his father tells him. The father doesn't have to say, could I please have a cup of coffee? Or make me a cup of coffee every morning. Right? He'll tell the other. When I get up, I like to have a cup of coffee. So the abbot knows that the guy, he gets up there. The king gets up at 8 o'clock, so uh, there has to be a cup of coffee ready for the king at 8 o'clock. It should really be 9 o'clock, right? Because you shouldn't have the first cup of coffee until an hour after you wake up so that the enzymes that God gave you to wake you up naturally will kick in. And then you want to give an extra kick? Use the coffee. But evidently, if you drink the coffee in the first hour, this is just a freebie. If you, if, you, if you drink the coffee in that first hour, evidently all you're doing is interrupting the enzymes that do whatever, there's something in you that a Kaddish Baruch who gave you that helps you wake up, right? I mean, when we wake up, so we, like some, we slowly but surely wake up, right? Okay, so don't have the coffee interrupt that. That's what they say. Are they right? I don't know. Who's they? I don't know. But those they, the they that, you know, say these things. That's the latest. But, uh, you know, that's what they say. It makes perfect sense whether it's true or not. I have no idea, but... Makes perfect sense. Okay, so he has the coffee ready one hour to the minute after the king wakes up. Why? That's his job, right? The son will do that even though the king didn't ask him. <coughs> He'll just do it because he loves 
he loves his father. So he'll just make it for the father. Right? Father didn't say, this is what I want you to do every morning. If the father didn't tell the Ebed to do that every morning, the Ebed wouldn't do it every morning. Because it's not who the Ebed is. Right? Whereas the, the Ben, he'll do that, even if the father didn't ask. Mikomakim. Zegufa hu beratzen v'cheshek. Even though, after the brackets, explaining the difference between the Ben and the Ebed, we're still talking about an Ebed. He's doing it mitzad kabbalah soul. He's doing it because he's committed to it, because that's Rashi's Avedi Vikarav Ashasha, which we say every morning before davening. The 41st chapter of Tanya, we say the first, whatever, 20 lines every day. Why? It reminds us of the, the, the beginning of Avedi. The beginning of every relationship is kabbalah soul, commitment. When is the relationship not about you and it's about them when you're committed to it? When is your relationship about God, about Him, and not about you? When there's Kabbalah soul. When you're doing it because He said so. Zehu. Then it's about Him. Then it's a relationship. Then it's something outside of you. It's not your relationship with yourself. It's a relationship with, with, a, with, with someone else, so to speak. The Abish. Kabbalah soul. Reishi is a very God of Without Kabbalah soul, nothing works. Beginning of every relationship is Kabbalah soul. We've talked about it so many times. It's so important to, to, to know because all of you are at a point where you're going to start thinking about these things. Some of you are very, very close to thinking about these things. <laughs> Nervously close to thinking about these things. Right? What is marriage based on? Commitment, not love. Absolutely not love. The people who think that marriage is based on love, they have a 90% failure rate in relationships. Right? The Western world has this mistaken notion that relationships are about love. 90% of them fail, 50% in divorce. Most of those people probably had three or four serious relationships that were, they were em very emotionally involved in before they got married. They also failed. 90% failure rate. Does that mean love is not part of a relationship? Love is not, is, of course it's part of a relationship. Where does it come from? It comes from the commitment. Love grows out of the commitment. If it's first love and you hope commitment's going to happen, 10% chance of it working. Right? That doesn't mean it doesn't, that can't work. It can work, 10%. 50% of marriages, that's a pretty bad rate, 50%. I mean, if you're talking about someone hitting a pitcher, that's pretty good. You're going to get paid about $45 million a year if you can hit 50% of the time. Right? If you only hit 10% of the time, you're not even playing single A, right? Okay, that's a baseball metaphor. I'm sorry for you uh, people from outside the uh, North American pale where, you know, they call it the World Series, two American teams playing. They call it the World Series, right? Yeah. Sort of an American way of looking at things. So, so the, 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 the... <laughs> yeah, there's some Nicaraguans who can also play baseball. So, so, so the, the, the commitment is what makes the relationship go. Why? Because the, the inspiration will come and go. Right? That doesn't mean it's not there. I bet there'll be moments of less inspiration and moments of more inspiration in, in any relationship. I assume you experience that in your relationship with God, moments of greater inspiration, moments of lesser inspiration. Right? What separates the men from the boys? The people who are just as committed to the relationship even when they're not inspired. Right? There are many people who evidently are of the opinion that if my beloved no longer inspires me, it's time to end and find another one who I'll be inspired by. 
at the beginning. But then I'm going to hit bumps in the road, like any relationship. So do I have the commitment to fight through those moments of lacking inspiration? Do you say good morning to your wife with as much love and, and, and connection on those days when all you can think about is the headache you have and that you don't want to go to work because your boss is going to scream at you as you walk in the door? If you can't, then you're committed more to yourself and less to her. A mensch is as warm and loving to his wife that morning as any other. Hi, dear, how you doing? Why? It's not about you, it's about her. You're going to have a terrible day. Okay, that's your issue. That's not her issue. She probably cares about you, and the first thing she says is, oh, it's going to be a bad day today, huh? Yeah, you'll be all right, sweetie. And you know what? The fact that you care about her and she cares about you, that'll give you the strength to make it through the bad day. Right? But you're not really very in inspired by your relationship with your wife right now because you're stuck in your relationship with yourself because you're just going to have a bad day. It's just going to be one of those days. You know what's coming the, day you the moment you walk into work because you know what happened when you left. Okay. Does she have to pay for that? If you're a mature adult involved in a serious relationship, no. Do your children have to pay for that? I certainly hope not going to scream at your children because you're having a bad day? Certainly hope not. Right? Why? Because you're committed to the well-being of your children. Do you always love them with so much love that you don't know what to do with yourself? No. Most of the time. Almost always. But there's moments where you're just so stuck in yourself that you can't really, you don't have room for anybody else. Why? Because you're a low life like most of us. Those moments happen. Okay, so then what? If you're a mensch, you treat everybody around you the way you would treat them if you're, as if you're in the best mood you've ever been in. Because you're committed to being a mensch. That's commitment. That's Kabbalah soul. That's the basis of every relationship. What grows out of that is love. In a marriage, it starts with commitment. I'm committed to the welfare of this person. Okay. I'm committed to the relationship. <coughs> what will hopefully grow from that is love. If it never does, that's less fortunate than if it does. There's no question about that. Can the marriage work? Absolutely. Why? Why? The people are committed to each other. Is it necessarily this passionate Hollywood love story? Passionate Hollywood love stories are written by people who have all been married five times. They haven't got a clue what relationships are about. <laughs> the people singing the rock and roll songs haven't got a clue what love is. So why would anybody listen to their words? That's why when we talk about love for Kaddish Baruch, where does it start? Yerushimai. Reishi said we said every day. Every day before davening, the Alter Rebbe reminds us, Kabbalah soul. Commitment to the Abishter because the Abishter is the Abishter and we are who we are. And ultimately, we'll see here an essential connection. That essential connection, if we really connect that, will produce an unbelievable love. Incredible. So, of course, there's love in the relationship. Is it the, is it the basis of the relationship? No. Commitment is Kabbalah soul. And those are the relationships that work. Right. If it's only love, that a professor in college used to call it falling through love. Now this is 40 years ago. 
when things were more normal than they are now. They still weren't so normal, but they were more normal than now, 45 years ago. Falling through love, he used to say. Right? He was a very interesting guy. Okay, so there's the effort, Kabbalah soul, which is important, very vital. Mikol Malkam, Zegufa, Huberatzen Vacheshek. This Evan who's sitting at the table of the king, why is he sitting at the table of the king? Because he wants to be the, uh, an Evan of the king. Shoretzim Lekabel Aleim Asel Malchus They want to take upon themselves the yoke of heaven. They get a Gishmak from serving the Abishta. They enjoy it. Do they love the king? Not necessarily. They haven't necessarily reached that level. But being the king's Evan, what could be better? Right? You're the king's chauffeur. Wow! <laughs> cool! Right? There was some part when the Rebbe's car was very old and it would break down now and then. The, the women and the Sheikh Chabad bought the Rebbe a new car. They bought the Rebbe, a, the Rebbe had a Cadillac, a big black Cadillac, very old. And it broke down now and then. So the, the Sheikh Chabad bought the Rebbe a new Cadillac. And uh, and the Rebbe told him that it's very nice and he appreciates it, but they should sell it and use the money for a Jewish education, that his Cadillac is still hanging in there and he's okay. So they sold it and they gave the money, you know, they used the money for some educational things. Then finally it broke down. But what, what used to happen? Bochum used to follow the the Rebbe to the, when the Rebbe used to go to the oil to visit the Friedrich Rebbe, so there's some, sometimes Bochum, I mean, you know, when the car was in bad shape, so Bachrim used to drive in a car behind in case it broke down. So, and the, you know, the Bachrim probably hoping it broke down because what did they think if it breaks down? So then we'll get to drive the rabbit to the oil. So there were, I don't know who the two Bachrim were, but I mean, there were two Bachrim who were, who were following one and sure enough, the car broke down and it pulled off to the side and Rabbi Klein got out of the car and they were really excited. They thought, oh, wow, this is great. Rabbi Klein's going to wait here with the broken-down Cadillac. The Rebbe's going to get into our car, and we're going to drive the Rebbe. They're going to be the Rebbe's chauffeur. Like, we're going to be better than this. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Rabbi Klein came up to them and said, Chevre, uh, out. Go sit in the car. Wait for the wait for someone to come take care. We'll call. There were no cell phones. No, there. We'll call when we get to the oil and and uh, you know whatever. However, they were going to go to a payphone. There wasn't a, there wasn't a thing at the oil also. There was no house, none of that stuff. So we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll get a tow truck to come. You guys stay here. I'll use your car. I'll take the Rebbe with your car. So they got out of the car. Rabbi Klein got in the driver's seat. The Rebbe sat in the back, and they drove away. And these two Bachim were stuck there with the broken down Cadillac. But what did they want to do? They just wanted to drive the Rebbe. What could be better than that? Right. But that that was love. That wasn't that wasn't an effort. That was a ban. therefore, the Evid that loves it, he loves the Avedi. He does the Avedi because he enjoys it. He hasn't yet come to the point where he loves the king. But he gets a geschmack from serving the king. So he he's at the table. Ulamailamim, above them, beyond them. Hemasarim. They're the ministers. They have a certain understanding of how the kingship is run. Therefore, a number of matters of, of running the country happen through them. 
Right? That they themselves, are, they're, 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 you don't have to ask the king about everything. The person who's in charge of certain aspects of running the country. So what he, every time he has to make a decision, he asks the king. He has his ministry and he runs his ministry and he does it the, the best he can. There are certain questions he'll ask the king, but most things not. Most things will just run things in, in the way he sees fit. They're very close. And they have They have a certain comprehension of the greatness of the king. And for this reason, they love the king. They truly love the king because they appreciate how great the king is. And their service is not simply in terms of Kabbalah's all, the commitment to the king. Also, I know it's not that there's no Kabbalah's all, but also Mitzarava, they've grown to a point of love. Right? Just back to the marriage thing. We've talked about it before, but it's so important. And there's people in this room who didn't hear it. And so you have to hear it because marriage is sort of going to be an important part of your life. And it might be something you actually should think about and learn about before you do it because you prepare yourself to make a living. You don't just wing it. So don't just wing marriage. Right? It's a little more important than making a living. Right? My birthright groups used to come through, the, come through my note. And I used to ask them at the end. Right? How many years do you spend learning how to make a living? So, you know, it depended who the group was. Sometimes they were undergrads, sometimes they were graduate students, sometimes they were postgrad, they were work already in the working force. So the years, you know, 16, 18, 20, you know, that's a long time from grade one. You know, it depends where we would start, okay? Start from high school, you know, forget about first seven, eight grades, okay? But so whatever is 10 years, 12 years, 14, long time learning how to make a living because, I mean, colleges today are trade schools. Right, okay, so how long were they in trade school? Long time, okay. And then I would ask an interesting question. The, I mean, the answers were interesting, or the lack of answers. How many people in this room have ever, ever read a book on marriage? No one ever read a book on marriage. How are you going to do it? Just wing it? <laughs> Never read a book on marriage? It's like interesting, no? Why would someone not read a book on marriage? They're going to they, they, get married at some point. Child rearing, right? <laughs> Right? Ever read a book about raising children? Of course you read These raised children, of course you read. What's the first thing you do when you get married and then you realize, wait, we're going to have a kid? Uh, uh, what do you do? <laughs> oh, you just wing it. Yeah, you make a few mistakes on the first three, four, mess them up, and then by the fifth, sixth, seventh, you probably figured it out. Okay, so the first one most of us do mess up, right? I think there's been 45 presidents in the United States. Almost every single one is a firstborn male. Look up the statistics. It's like 38 or 39. Some absolutely ridiculous statistic. They're firstborn males. And in most of the elections, the taller man wins. That's not a firstborn male. No, but... <laughs> That's a different different idea. An interesting idea, but a different idea. Hopefully right? the orange man. Right. Okay, so, 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 so well, firstborn male, why? Because they're walking around with all the angst of, you know, the achievement that they're supposed to, you know, accomplish. Okay, fine. So we mess it up with the first ones. Then we chill with the rest of them. Why? Read a book about it. Okay. The Rebbe once said to a woman in, 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 she tells the story. You can find the clip. I think it's Mrs. Edelman. Maybe it's Mrs. Sharfstein. I don't remember. A clip in Eye to Eye, you know, those encounters with the Rebbe where she talks about going into Yechidus when she was 21, 22 years old. She wasn't married. And uh, she was looking for Shaduchim. And the Rebbe asked her about Shaduchim. And she said she had met some boys, but none of them found favor in her eyes. The Rebbe mentioned eight names of Bochrim. 
she had met every one of them. Now, that's pro I don't know. I'm not the Rebbe. I don't know how he works. But I would imagine that's probably why the Rebbe mentioned those eight names. Meaning, the Rebbe is saying, objectively, these eight guys are just fine. I subjectively, you puzzled them. That's your problem, not theirs. There's something in you that's not right at this point. Okay, but whatever. They never mentioned eight names of guys for her. Then they talked about this and that. Then they then asked her, what do you like to do? She said, in her spare time, she says she likes to read novels. What kind of novels? Romantic novels. And then the Rebbe said, aha, maybe we understand the problem. Because you think it's supposed to be what the novel says, this big explosion of love and passion. And how the Rebbe knows what's in romantic novels, I don't know. But they're, they're okay, just the Rebbe knows these things. Fine. It's not how it works. And the Rebbe told her and she explained it. She, you know, she explained this after 55 years of marriage. She, uh, she said, the Rebbe told her, it starts off, it's a little spark. Thank you. It's a spark. Right? That's the spark when you meet. There's a little, they call it a click. Right? There's a click, there's a spark. And that spark turns into a little flame. And at the beginning of the relationship, it's a very small flame. And you have to be so careful not to put out that flame because it's so small. Slowly but surely, that flame grows and grows until it's an all-consuming all fire. That's what relationships are about. Right? Most people love their wife more when she's old and, you know, crinkled, wrinkled, whatever, than they did when they first met her. Why? Well, because they've been growing in the relationship together for 40 years. Right. Is it as passionate as it was, you know, as it, as it's supposed to be in the books? They can barely get out of a chair, right? But their whole life is that person. That's real. How'd that happen? It grew. Why? Because they worked very hard at nurturing it, right? not waiting for it to happen. Nurturing. Right. I remember sitting in, a, in the shul, sitting with my back to the front door, which was on the other side of the room. I was at a table like this, and on the other side, the table went length. But the other side of the table was a man about 15 years older than me, 20 years older than me, who used to, used to come to shul now and then. Very sweet old guy. And he wasn't a Lubavitcher, he just loved having in our shul. So, so the front door was over there, and it's, a, it's outside our shul. It's like a little, it's a hundred-year-old Arab building. So, so uh, all of a sudden, his, his eyes lit up, and he said, my Kala, my bride. So I turn around, I see this old, hunched over, 75-year-old lady walking by the front door. She just came to shul. My Kala, he said, with a big smile on his face. We should all have such a, such a feeling when we see our wife of 50 some odd years walking by. My kala, he said. <laughs> That's real. Um, she wasn't as attractive as you know some young woman who just walked by with a fancy shaitel and all the right accoutrements. Sure was there. <laughs> That's not what he's interested in. It's called love. It's real. You can believe in it. Can't prove it. You won't find love proven in a laboratory, but you can believe in it, just like God. It's not safe.
Seichel can appreciate it. It's not the source of it. They appreciate how great the king is. For this they love him. The Sarit. He and their Avedah. He loyrak mitzad Kabbalah Sol. It's not only Kabbalah Sol, it's not mitzad Ava. Ubesarim Gufa. Now the Rebbe makes a chiluk in two different levels of Sarit. In Sarim Gufa. And the Rebbe's going to say an amazing thing. Yeshnam, there are Kama Vakama Dargas, a number of levels. They are divided in general into two different levels. Sarim Stam, Vesarim Gedolim. Right? In any government, there's the there's you know 15 ministers, and then there's what's called the inner cabinet. Right? Okay, so there's Sarim who are very important and have real real jobs and, and take care of very, very serious aspects of whatever it is that the the country, the society needs. And then there's the Sarim Gedolim. They're in the inner cabinet and they're making the big decisions. That's the Sar Bitachon and the Sara. The Sara, Sara Otsar, right? That's the finance minister and the and the defense minister and the, the foreign minister and the prime minister. Okay, they're they're in the inner cabinet. They're making real decisions. So there's two different types of Sarim. Right? So the Rabbi says there's the Sarim Stam, the Sarim G'daylim, the cabinet and the inner cabinet. Right? Here in Eretz Yisrael, in the time of Golda Meir, what did they call the inner cabinet? Kitchen. The kitchen cabinet. Why were they called the kitchen cabinet? They, met in the kitchen. they used to meet in Golda Meir's kitchen. That's where they used to meet. They would go to her house and they would meet. She'd, in the, feed, them. she'd feed them. And it was they called the kitchen cabinet. That was what it was called, the kitchen cabinet. Those were the guys who uh, messed up the country in 1973. Right? And resigned, to their credit. Most of them. These three different types. Who are the three types? This, the important servants, the sarim, the ministers, and the important ministers. Those three groups of people sitting at the table. Now we're going back to our original medrash. In the original medrash, when the king came to town, there were three different groups of, of, of you know, the dukes and, the, you know, whatever those, the duchsin and the statrelutin, those strange words that the medrash used relative to these people who were accompanying the king. So there were three different Groups in the king's entourage as he came to, pe- to, the, to the town. Oh, so those are the three different groups that are sitting at the table of the king. They're very important. The, med- the Rebbe is connecting the altar Rebbe's mushal with the medrash that we learned at the beginning of the Maim. The Gimel Sugi Meilu, these three different types, Elushinim Soim, Bashulchan Amalek, that are found in the table of the king, Avadim Chashuvim, Vesarim, Vesarim Gedolim, Heim Behetem, they are similar to Gimel Asugim Shibamedrish, the three different types of people that came with the king in the Medrish. Duchsin, Ifarchin, Vistratilutin. Well, we didn't whatever those are. Maybe Duchsin or Dukes, we didn't know, right? But three different groups of people that are very close to the king. What does it say? They're found with the king. They're part of the king's entourage. They were with him. Like the people who are sitting at the table of the king in the, in the marshal of the Alter Rebbe. Okay. So what's the way about to say? Let's just finish the paragraph. Based on this one could explain. 
Dagam that even though and the Rebbe is going to drop an atomic bomb right now. Because what if in that Medrash, what do we think that these Sarim, who are they? The Sarim are the intermediaries that are indeed the conduits through which Yekadosh Baruch Hu sends bounty to the world. But to think that those conduits have any importance whatsoever. They're just like, what, what was the marshal? <clears throat> dogs? No. The, the sarim that help run the world for the Abish, there aren't dogs. Not the marshal that we just read. No? What was the marshal the Rebbe that used in the beginning of the Maira to explain what, the, the, the mistake that people make in serving idols? What do they think? These, these in, no, not, not, the, not the physical idol, but serving the, the, the constellations and serving some sort of metaphysical powers. They're the source of the That they're the source of the bounty. What are they rather? They're like the what in the hands of the what? Axe the, the axe in the hand of the woodchopper. What are you going to praise the axe? The woodchopper is doing everything. Meaning, does a Kaddish Baruch Hu use intermediaries to bring bounty to people? Well, you go to work, don't you? Understand? You think that the Abishu gives you everything straight? No. The Abishu gives you everything that he gives you through certain intermediaries. Right? That's the way he runs the world. Right? So some of those intermediaries are metaphysical. We know, we learned in Basi Lagani, we know there are four worlds. What does that mean? That means the bounty, the, the, the vitality that we get. Not, not, the, not the apple. I mean, the apple also gets it the same way. But I'm saying not the apple that came to us. Just the very fact that we're alive. That energy, where does it come from? It comes through. It comes through those levels of reality down to us. It's called Seder Ishtashlis. What's in there? What's there? Malochim. So what, the malachim are the source of our vitality? No. Does the vitality we get come through those states of reality? Yes. It's what it means to say there's such worlds. Do I bow down to malachim? No, why not? Because it's all coming from the Abishnah. The Abishnah is using those things as intermediaries to get that energy down here. Why? That's how he does it. Okay. The same way the Abishnah might use a college degree to help you make a living. Think that the Greece making a living? What are you, an, an idol worshiper? You worship the, the, the thing on the wall? What's wrong with you? You're a pagan? I mean, That's do, pagan. We do hang it up. Some people. I mean, if you want the people, uh, you know, hopefully, the only reason you hang it up, hopefully, is so that the people who walk into the office will feel that the doctor they're going to or the lawyer they're going to is the real thing. If you're hanging it up because you think that that's something that should be hung up on your wall as opposed to a picture of a tzaddik or, a, or a, you know, an illustrated Megillah, so then you're a pagan. If, you, if it's there, so the people who walk in the office will see it and they'll say, oh, Baruch Hashem, you know, this doctor, you know, knows what he's done. So that's perfectly reasonable. I would like that. But if you really think that's where, you're, where your Parnas is coming from, then you're no difference than someone who worships an idol. And as Shmuel said yesterday, rightfully so. Well, it looks that way because if it didn't look that way, then it would be sort of obvious. I mean, you just you know, serving God wouldn't be in any way, shape, or form of any interest. Why? Well, if everybody who kept Shabbos made more money than everybody, we talked about this at the beginning of the Maimah, right? If, every, if everybody who kept Shabbos made more money than people who don't keep Shabbos, I'd really keep Shabbos. Why? They make more money. Of course, it looks like degrees work. It might even work. It's still coming from the Abishnah. Where do you get your Parnassah from? What's your Parnassah based on? More than anything else. How you daven in Rosh Hashanah. So it's all the books, eh? But no. No more than me. 
I know that's hard to imagine because people who know more than me, but there are. I don't mean me, I mean the me that you say me about, not the me I say me about, that's a different me. There are people who know more than me, believe it or not. Even though I've learned 18 books, people who know more. Okay, what do they say? They say that our Parnassa comes from what we are davening on Rosh Hashanah. Aye, what about all those people who don't daven on Rosh Hashanah? Isn't this what this mimer is all about explaining? That's exactly what the Rebbe is explaining. And there's a mimer, every Ritzayinah. What about them? What about the people on Shul on Rosh Hashanah? They seem to be getting right. Klacher Yad, it's, that's the sun shining. That's the makif, chitzonius. The chitzonius of makif, that's what it is. We learned it in the mimer. The Rebbe explained it to us, how it works. But the, the shefa of bracha and goodness and all the all the real stuff that's that's real, where does it come from the Abishter? How do you how do you tap into it? Why well, do you daven on Rosh Hashanah? Right? Is that why you're davening on Rosh Hashanah? Well, you're davening on Rosh Hashanah. That you should be alive for the next year. Yes. Why do you want to be alive? Well, there's this incredible opportunity when you're alive to serve God. Who wouldn't want to be alive? The coolest thing out there. Okay, we'll stop there. We'll see tomorrow. I don't want to rush through the end because there's the, this atomic bomb at the end of the paragraph that we'll see tomorrow. The Rebbe's going to explain the, the Medrash now in a completely different way because up until now, that first Medrash that we learned about the fact that the king comes to the town and there's an entourage and some people go to the Intermediaries. Why? Well, because if you want, if you if you're going to get something and you're a businessman, go talk to the Secretary of Commerce. The king's not going to help you. The Secretary of Commerce will help you. It's about what you're going to get. So go to the intermediaries, right? But if you're into the king, so the peacock, the one who's really smart, he goes to the king, and that's what we're trying to figure out. Why is he smart? What's so smart about that? I mean, everybody would go to the king. No, 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 no. If you're interested in what, if you're interested in what you get from it, you won't go to the king, because you don't get anything from the king, right? All you get is the king. You want something for you, then you have to go somewhere else. Okay, so up until this point, we've been relating to that in terms of a Vedazara. Right? That's what it was coming to explain. Okay. But I was going to explain it in the context of Kedusha in the next five lines, not just Klippa. I mean, choosing Kedusha over Klippa, that's the choice the Rebbe's been talking, up and up, uh, talking about up until now. Tomorrow morning, we'll see, or at the beginning, we'll see how the choice is also between different levels of Kedusha, different levels of holiness, not just Kedusha as opposed to Klippa. Okay, up until now it's all been Kedusha, holiness, as opposed to Klippa, the opposite. And the Pikeach chooses the Kedusha because he wants what's real. Now there's going to be a choice between one level of Kedusha and another level of Kedusha. I was going to say that's also part of it. Okay, that's the next five lines. We'll see that, and then the Rebbe continues explaining what that means. It's pretty long. Okay.